countries have a national motto. The U.S. has In God We Trust. Trinidad and Tobago has Together We Aspire, Together We Achieve. For Haiti, Fraternity. And for Jamaica, it's Out of Many One People. So like many countries, we're not a monolithic, homogeneous people, even within the majority Black population. And today, we're not going to focus as much on that majority population. We're going to talk about the history of one group of Jamaicans, Chinese Jamaicans, their immigration, and the hardships they had to face from both white and Black Jamaicans as they made the island their home. And with me today, we have... A guest with us, one of my besties and one of the people who inspired me to start this podcast project and will be joining it shortly as a host, Kenny Schillingford. Schillingford. Hey, Kenny. <laughs> you have to really stress the Schillingford at all? Yes, because it sounds fancy, so it needs to be fancy. Okay. All right. Then. So as I mentioned earlier, Kenny will be hosting some episodes in the future. Uh, she's one who told me about Jamaica's first serial killer. Don't know if we've had any more since then. Hmm. Mm. We should look into that. <laughs> Statistically, um, we probably have. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't think we should probably look into that too deeply. Uh, yeah, we should. People. I think we should investigate. Mm-hmm. True, cri- true crime. Next podcast. Let's, um, let's not talk about the sad side of true crime. I know. <laughs> okay, um, just to it. keep, just mm-hmm. to let everybody know, if you hear a little toddler's voice in the background, please ignore it as best as you can. Um, I- that's okay. Well, that's what Rome is for. We'll figure out some method. Daniel, don't make nobody comes send a police to my house here. Go back a couple hundred of years to China to go over what sparked the first migration of the Hakka people, who are the primary group from China to populate Jamaica. And what set that off was the first opium war. Thanks, Britain. So why I say that is because Britain was hooked on Chinese tea in the 18th century. And when I was, I don't know if you had the same thing, Kenny, when I was an ignorant kid, I thought Britain invented tea. But now that I'm a slightly less ignorant adult, I know it was Chido. You know, funnily, that is also true. I did think Britain was just tea. Tea was Britain. And then funnily, I actually started reading uh, manga. That's all about tea. And then I figured out that most of it is actually from China. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not, you know, well you... obviously, I knew from before reading the manga, but still, it, it went into details. In return for the tea, uh, Britain sold opium to China, which was grown in India, and caused the population to become rapidly addicted to the drug, which led to damaging China socially and economically. So again, thank you, Britain. And then when China tried to fix a problem and stop opium from getting into the country, Britain said, "Uh, no, what do you think you're doing? You buy our products, you shut up and you like it. And then they sent their formidable navy to, you know, push, get their point across to force the trade to continue. So all plus some peasant uprisings and clan wars lit a fire on the poor and the desperate. So the first wave of Chinese immigrants came from Hong Kong on July 30th, 1854. Many were hospitalized from malnutrition and fevers from the voyage, while others died on the And then other Chinese laborers sought opportunities in Panama to work 
on a railroad from Panama City to Colón, which was a precursor to the Panama Canal, uh, mm. hellish working conditions and disease. Oh, I have Panama Canal bookmarked for us in the future because God knows a lot of Caribbean people died on working on that. But anyway. And surprisingly, there are a lot of Jamaicans descendants in Panama. I met a couple. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of us went over there. I was really surprised to find that out. I didn't realize mm-hmm. how many people went there to work on that thing. Yeah, um, definitely. So hellish working conditions and diseases led to 300 dying within months. And mm. an opium shortage led to a mass suicide of 125 people. Wait, wait, wait. Opium shortage where? In China or on the ship? Oh, sorry. No, this is in Panama. So while they're working on the railroad, um, they had a supply of opium, um, I guess, you know, to keep them from going through withdrawal and all of that. My goodness. And then there was just a sudden shortage and i think i believe the railroad company had something to do with it like they accidentally either blocked or shorted the guy got less stuff than they thought they would need um i don't remember what i read exactly and then because of the sudden opium shortage like a bunch of them committed suicide from you know that sudden cutoff so that happened Mm, that's pretty sad yeah, it is. It was really depressing. Um, and um, I mean, it was so depressing that it it actually legit freaked the, the railroad company out. So they organized a ship to Jamaica, hoping to exchange them for some native Jamaican workers. But they didn't like us either. So yeah, hmm. too rough for some brawling. That was exactly it. I thought it was I know. so funny. <laughs> Oh boy, the other white workers felt threatened by the Chinese workers. Mm. Well, yeah. And then the railroad company didn't appreciate their attempts to organize a strike to get equal wages. So that that was also a factor. But when they got the black to unionize. I know, right? Uh, Anyway, I mean, they are Americans. So yeah. Uh, uh, Unions. Anyway. Uh, and when they got the black Jamaicans, they didn't like our attitude because we weren't as industrious as the Chinese workers and not as broken spirited as uh, the American slaves. I guess our emancipation got to our heads. So, oh, you my know, goodness. how dare you? the railroad workers were the second wave of immigrants and they came in on a ship called the Vampire. No, but for real, they literally named it the Vampire Ship. Yeah, I, I was shocked when I read that. I was like, oh. Was this uh, was this planned? <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah, I'm gonna let you know unsuspecting victims come up on the board of the vampire ship. Nothing is going to happen to you. Don't pay attention to the name. It's just yeah, especially considering that also like the 709 who were uh, contracted to work on the railroad, only 195 made it to Kingston. So I mean, vampire indeed. So of the survivors, Robert Jackson Chin opened a wholesale house in downtown Kingston. He would kind of set the template for, you know, other of his countrymen to follow that business path mm-hmm. to others. And listen to me, butcher these. Chang Si Pa and Lin San opened grocery stores nearby. 
Oh, and it's thanks to the imports of these wholesalers that food such as rice, salt fish, salt meats, flour, and cornmeal became staples of Jamaican diets. So we didn't uh, do cornmeal before that. So all of them cornmeal pudding and ton cornmeal didn't exist unless it was, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's that they didn't have it. Maybe it's just that it was so hard to get it on a regular basis that maybe it was like, if you're lucky, you would get to eat that kind of thing. But I'm not sure, honestly. I didn't look into that part. Mm. By the 1860s, a Chinatown had developed in downtown Kingston. And mm. after the emancipation of slavery in 1830s, the Europeans needed to fill in the labor gap. So they hired contract laborers that referred to as coolies. I did not mm-hmm. know that's where we got the word coolies from because I feel like growing up, that was a term used for um, Jamaican Indians. At least that's how I experienced it when we were going to school. That's how I heard like the term being used. But um, no, actually, coolie was used, if I remember correctly, from my years of history. Um, coolie was actually used for a mix between the African American, the Afro Jamaican, and mm-hmm. the Indians, and then that person would be the coolie. Some people find it as, as an insult because it means that you're of a mixed race. And, you know, the whole kind of tension between races mm-hmm. in certain countries. Actually, gotcha. I probably have a book on that. I should probably go and dig up in my library. I actually have a book on that. Mm-hmm. So unlike slaves, these laborers earned a wage. But like slaves, they were treated like garbage and often misled and even abducted to, you know, be placed on these jobs. In the 1880s, a group of 680 immigrants arrived directly from China to work on farms. This group included about 170 women and children and the man who would found the Chinese Benevolent Society. The organization would offer humanitarian and social aid and protect Chinese customs and cultural identity. Just like Just as with the previous group, they had to deal with racial discrimination. And of course, when a new group comes into a country, the existing population tends to feel threatened. Mm -hmm. So, ready for some drums, Kenny? Drama or drums? Drums. Because I'm ready for both. Hear this now. Mm -hmm. In 1918, all hell broke loose when a Chinese shopkeeper in Ewerton left his girlfriend in charge and went off for a few days, or so they thought. When the shopkeeper returned unexpectedly that evening, he found his girlfriend, who usually ran the shop for him, and a local policeman in a um, compromising position. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, indeed. So the shopkeeper gave the naked policeman a good beating and chased him off. 1918. And then, 1918. Oh, yes. They, it feels like the same story, just from you know, the just dawn of then. time. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so the shopkeeper gave the naked policeman a good beating and chased him off. And when he was nowhere to be found the next day, people assumed the worst, that the officer had been killed by the Chinese shopkeeper and maybe a posse of his friends and that the body had been hidden or chopped up or some crazy stuff like that. Okay, so so I don't know. mm. This is probably something that I should probably think about myself because for some reason, I thought you meant the Chinese man meant missing and the police did something to him. I really should probably 
deal with that racial bias in my head exactly that racial bias in my head i need to deal with Mm. unfortunately well especially Mm. what's going on with the last year i do not blame you for assuming that but no the shot the police went missing and everybody assumed the chinese people uh chinese man had um you know dealt with the problem well looting and riots broke out so i guess that's what happened um mm. against chinese owned businesses uh supposedly to avenge the police officer's death but i mean while some may have had that sincere intention it also became Which, clear that this was just a xenophobic animosity right. boiling over and right. there were opportunities taking advantage of the situation so right. but by the way um mm. officer mcdonald or was quite fine <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, other than the bruises, he was quite fine. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, after he got his beat down, he was so ashamed. He he stayed low for a few days while all this avenging was going on in his name. So, well, you see, the thing is, it's not like back nowadays where you can get a camera or a phone and say, you know, some McDonald down the road. Yeah, man, we're not about to loot down the say, you know. Him alright, him fine, and him alive. No, no, man. Probably in his house, not even realize that people are right on his behalf. He just hiding. He's like, no, you know, you too generous, Kenny. Cause after they find this man Uh-oh. and they showed him to the locals to like say, calm down, he's alive. See him here. Right. They were uh-huh. like, no, I, I imposter that, and they just continued <laughs> <laughs> the rioting. I mean, they know it's a small town. They know what the man looked like. He was well liked. He was well respected. But they they were just like, no, nah, I don't him. believe you. Not That's him. even worse. Four hundred and fifty two participants in the riots were arrested, and three hundred were sentenced to a year of hard labor. Mm. So twenty two shops had been totally destroyed and looted in the three day chaos. That's how long these people rioted for. Well, and. A few people, unfortunately, were even murdered during during this uh, violence. So the retail grocery community uh, lobbied the Jamaican government to impose immigration laws to block Chinese immigrants. Newcomers from China would be charged 30 pounds on arrival. They'd have to pass a physical, and then they'd also have to prove they could write and speak 50 words in three different languages. So basically... Yeah, that's just that's just BS. Like just nobody can much. come in. No, nobody can come in with that kind of restrictions, especially exactly. back then. Exactly. Especially with the the type, well, you know, the type of people that was coming over to Jamaica anyway was trying to look for a better life. That doesn't necessarily mean they had the facility to even learn English. So how do exactly. you me to have three different languages under my belt? They knew what they were doing. So by the 1930s now, the animosity boiled over again because unemployment was high and Jamaicans who were employed were overworked, underpaid, and suppressed by laws that favored wealthy minority whites. I mean, Mm -hmm. thank God we've really evolved from those times. So a lot of anger directed at Chinese Jamaicans who were seen as taking away opportunities away from real Jamaicans and taking advantage of their shop assistants. Yes, that foolishness. They might as well be wearing MAGA hats back in the day if they're acting like that. Yep. Groups met to discuss the alien question and called for violence. I I really don't like calling immigrants aliens. It sounds very dehumanizing. 
These were the years precluding the huge labor movement with the rise of heroes like Alexander Bustamante, Norman Manley, Marcus Garvey, and others. Well, do I have a story to tell you about Norman Manley? Mm. A good or bad story? You'll determine that on your own. Okay, that's a fair answer. In 1947, the Chinese consulate was able to get the government restrictions against immigration relaxed. This allowed Chinese immigrants to send for their families, which caused some Chinese men to toss their local girlfriends out when they brought their actual wives over. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, Keep that in mind when I tell you the the next scandal that sparked the next riot. So in 1965, the next major anti-Chinese riot sparked by reports that a group of three Chinese brothers brutally attacked a female employee because of non-payments on a radio she bought on higher purchase. And the additional details behind the story is that the shop assistant was in a romantic relationship with her employer. And when the employer's wife immigrated from China, she was turned out of the house. Uh The shop assistant got into an altercation with the wife and the employer physically abused and manhandled her. And I mean, he really did rough her up, um, to be fair. Um, So that was not okay. But um, as you can see, story A was not the same as story B. Right. But he more than referred up, he referred up mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. And emotionally. So similar to the 1918 riots, the actual details were kept private and instead the public heard the version of the three Chinese men beating up their employee over a small appliance. So, And within the same period, there was also a report apparently of a Chinese man shooting a black laborer. I did not get a lot of details out of this one. So um, don't know if it was true or not or exaggerated. So... Mm. But all that is to say is that those incidents like helped to like get the riots going and they were followed by a week of riots in the form of arson and looting again against the Chinese immigrants. Even though this last riot took place in the 1960s, kind of parallel to all of that, in the 1940s, many of the second generation Jamaican Chinese rebelled against their parents' desires to remain fixed to Chinese culture. So they left the family business, they went into other professions, and they embraced aspects of Jamaican culture. Tolerance of Chinese culture grew in the African Jamaican uh, community as the communities continued to influence and blend into aspects of each other's culture, even while all of this... um, you know, distrust and animosity. Exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. what's going on. So I'm going to kind of wrap up with all the the influences that we, or the main influences that we know of. So other than, Mm. of course, the food. I love Chinese food. I love it. Uh, Of course. I am obsessed. (laughs) The numbers game Drop Pan, which is said to have arrived in Jamaica with the earliest Chinese immigrants. Tickets numbered 1 to 36 are dropped in a pan and individuals place wagers on their chosen numbers being the winning ticket. So many players play based on dreams, omens, or by guessing based on analyzing the patterns of play. 
and the meanings of each numbers are based on Chinese and Afro-Jamaican origins. For example, the number seven means married woman and hog. And in Chinese custom, a son-in-law makes a gift of a pig or pork to his mother-in-law every new year. Um, the number eight stands for belly, a pregnant woman, hole or ring, all which could be related to Rastafarian belief that a woman has no lineage. A woman is only a vessel. That is very flattering. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're just a vessel, Kenny. We're just phases. Mm-hmm. Well, we, well I, I was a vessel for my children, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not only a vessel. That's the part that I find um, not so flattering. <laughs> well, obviously, but I will take the vessel. I'll take it. Okay. Because okay. I like to spin things that people like to try to insult me with, and I'll make it anew. I was a vessel. So what? Organization. The Chinese have also worked hard to maintain links to their culture. Writers like Anglican priest Easton Lee explore their Chinese Jamaican roots in poetry and prose. The Chinese Benevolent Society has several subsidiary organizations. Many Jamaican beauties of Chinese descent have entered and done well in the Miss Jamaica Beauty Contest. Uh, Winners include Sheila Chung and Patsy Yuen, who was second runner-up in one of the Miss World pageants. And Chinese Jamaicans have also made their mark in the political arena with MPs such as Rose Leon, Ferdinand Yap Sam, and Delroy Chuck. Uh, Similarly, Chinese Jamaican impact on the business world is far-reaching, with families and individuals controlling or founding substantial restaurant, bakery, and supermarket chains such as Tasty Passes, Ellen Grill, Purity, and Super Plus, as well as banks such as NCB. NCB was news to me, but yeah. Oh, wow. So I yeah, that one new. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone, future Daniel here. After Kenny and I finished recording this episode, it was brought to my attention that I missed many more iconic names that would be criminal of me to not mention. Thank you, Uncle Patrick. For example, Juicy Beef, no ju- no juicy patties, was also started by a Chinese Jamaican, similar to how Tasties was started. Byron Lee and Keith Lane contributed to the music industry. Paul Chen Young and Michael Lee Chin were philanthropists and pioneers in the banking industry who contributed to Jamaica's development. Lucien Chen was a boxing promoter. Father Holong, founder of the Missionaries of the Poor. It would have been truly shameful for me to not call Father Holong's name. Loved his plays when we went to see them on school trips. Uh, There's also a Confucius Institute at the University of the West Indies that provides classes in Mandarin, calligraphy, Tai Chi, and they support many similar social activities to foster that Jamaica-Chinese relationship. I mean, the more you know, right? Now back to the show. With all the sickening anti-Asian violence going on in the U.S. lately, I just thought it was appropriate to do this topic now rather than later. And as Jamaicans, I don't think we're as educated as we could be on our brothers and sisters of different backgrounds. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like we didn't really get even half of this information in school. For some reason, my mind is stuck on a patty, and I really want a patty now, preferably a oh chicken patty. Which is, if you think is this about because it, because I mentioned tasty. Yes, if you really think about it, a chicken patty 
is the perfect combination or should i say the perfect what's that called what's what's it called again metaphor is it a metaphor? yeah yeah so yeah. patty would honestly so if anybody doesn't really understand the context in which i'm speaking about um daniel mentioned that the chinese have have greatly contributed to a business called tasty it's the best thing in the world i'm sorry let's move on um <laughs> so tasty makes jamaican patties and that is what we all go crazy about so you know when we hear the stories about send me patty send me the frozen patty in the airplane yeah come up give me my frozen patty that is what we go crazy for and if you really think about it there's a specific patty that is known as a chicken patty and i'd say that's the perfect combination of all of our cultures in one because of course you have the curry the chicken patty is a curry patty so of course that's the indian influence and of course the you know the flaky pastry is the chinese influence and you know our love of it is the afro influence i guess and the spices and just the culture and then the scotch bonnet so i'd say that's a perfect you know perfect sum up we are all chicken patties does that make I sense i love being a chicken patty yes i want to be a chicken patty when i, I grow and and i am craving a chicken patty right now and i need to go yeah. and get it probably tomorrow yeah thanks kenny you actually made me hungry now thanks and i'm sorry that you can't get it because you know you're there firing i actually have some frozen one in the fridge it's i mean it's good enough no it's not <laughs> Shut up. I didn't say it was the same. <laughs> you gotta have it fresh, man. It's like crack. Bite. Oh, baby. <laughs> Good thing we have so many Jamaicans in New York. So anytime I go down to visit uh, my auntie in New York, then, you know, Patty. So thank you for listening. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode. And sources are in the show notes. See ya. See you guys.